Fine Dining, the search for the most mediocre restaurant in America, is a podcast where comedian Michael Ornelas is traveling the country, eating at all chain restaurants in search of the perfectly average 5.0 out of 10 dining experience. The objective middle threshold of where bad becomes good. Friend of the Doughboys, Marissa Pinson and John Glover were the most recent guests as they reviewed Costco's Food Court. It's a two-part episode that covers everything from discontinued menu items to how many Costco hot dogs they could fit in their mouths. Damn, I wish I was on that episode. I'd crush that. Head over to linktree.com slash fine dining podcast, uh, F-I-N-E-D-I-N-I-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and click B's giveaway to enter a giveaway for an all-expenses-paid trip to your local Applebee's, the current frontrunner for the most mediocre restaurant in America at 5.02 out of 10, for you and up to three of your friends. And you can watch or listen to Fine Dining on your platform of choice while you're there. Enter by May 1st, and the winner will be announced on the May 8th episode. Disclaimer, $50 will be provided for transportation along with a $200 Applebee gift card. I love doing those fast read disclaimer things. Go give fine dining a listen. The search for the most mediocre restaurant in America. This is a HeadGum Podcast. What's up, shitheads? Welcome back to another episode of High and Mighty. It's me, your boy, the number one fuck boy, the number one fuck boy, the number one fuck boy. All you gotta do is trust me. The number one fuck boy, Johnny G. Joining me as always in the High and Mighty studios is my nearly silent co-host, Arthur Gabris. Arthur, give him a shout out. Just smelling my nasty ass breath on the mic, as always. Also joining me in the High and Mighty studios, first time guest. I've been a long time fan of his. Truly, I say that a lot about a lot of my guests, but you maybe have been the person I've been a fan of the longest. I think Horatio Sands is maybe tied because I probably, but you might even predate him in my world. I, 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 could, I can't answer that. Well, you can't. And the, guys, can't the that voice you hear is Dave Holmes, host of Homophilia International Waters and author of Party of. Writer, host, podcaster, runner. Runner. <laughs> Marathon runner, John. Do you identify as a runner now? That's something I still don't. I do now. You do. Yeah, Completing I'm, the I'm, New York Marathon, which is what yes. I'm excited to talk to you about. Yeah. That's the fucking thing. It is, man. It was so great. You're officially it, I mean, a runner, right? Like it's binary at this point. You can't I think be so. either or. I think so. Yeah. yeah. And I had done it once before. This is my second time, actually. I that did you, it for sure. Yeah. I did it in 2009 kind of to do it. Yes. And I did it, and it was great. And then this past year, I was like, I'm going to do it. You know, I'm going to really like, train. And what, is, and and what does that seriously. mean? Like, you kind of knew what it was entails? Like, I, You know, I uh, this time around, I was 47 and not 38. Okay. Also, so, you know, uh, 38 is not a great age to be 38 running 38 is not, but it's better than 47, believe Fuck, me. And, and I, I would thought, imagine. you know, I really got to take the training much more seriously. I did the first time, but I kind of just was like, I want to cross the finish line the first time. Right. And the second time, I was like, I really want to challenge myself. Like pacing became yeah. a thing, like yeah. what were you looking at and yeah. stuff like that. Interesting. Yeah. Jeez. And I, and I finished. And so now, yeah, now I'll take it. Now, now I'm a, a marathon runner. Are you, here's my question. We're about three weeks, four weeks after the New York marathon. Yeah. Are you into a running program yet or just like sort of some light maintenance stuff? I'm just running a lot. Yeah. Yeah, Did six this morning. I figured I can't come in and talk about running. I'm not going to actually. 
I almost blew off the gym this morning, but I thought I couldn't because I to. saw you and hadn't exercised. Mm-hmm. I saw you other, last mm-hmm. week and hadn't exercised yet, and I was like, I got to get my ass back. And I yeah, took yeah. like a full two weeks off after a half marathon. You, as you should. Yeah. As you should. And I... I I did a little, I swung the pendulum too much in the other way because it was like Thanksgiving week and a couple oh. of days in Vegas were included in my two weeks. Uh-huh. So I really, I, those were dog years. That was like three weeks of unhealthy lifestyle. Yeah. Um, but you can get away with it. Yeah. It's like when terrible people are like, it's my birthday month or whatever. <laughs> this is a good version of that. You really I, worked hard. I did so feel it like out. that. I did feel like, I'm like, I, I don't think, I want to tell strangers in Vegas. I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm allowed to have this because mm-hmm. I ran 13 miles yesterday mm-hmm. and I've never done that in my life. Yeah. So tell me everything. How was it? I'll say the most. Yeah, this is my first recording since doing the marathon, a half marathon. A huge part of it for me that I never thought was every time I ran a little bit further, it was something I had never done before. Mm -hmm. And it's rare in life that like I was weekly doing completely new things. Yeah. Like, oh, I I ran seven miles and the next week I ran eight. But more importantly, it'd be like I ran three miles without stopping yesterday. Mm -hmm. Something I when before I started training for the half marathon, I couldn't even run one mile without stopping. Yeah. And it's the most simple thing. I think I said this to you when we spoke previously, I was like, Oh, you can get better at run. Like it's, it's, it's so doable, but it seems like so daunting when you hear about it, when you're like 13 miles. Oh my God. But I was talking to my wife about it coming up and she's like, are you so nervous? I'm like, well, I did just run nine miles. And I remember when I ran mm-hmm. five miles, I couldn't imagine running six. Mm-hmm. Then when you run six, you're like, I can't do seven. Then when you do yeah. seven, all of a sudden you're like, I will never do it. I just don't think I, I should. But I can see how I, I have um, a full marathon seemed insane to me. Uh-huh. And then I was like, I did 12 to 16 weeks of like three quarter ass training uh-huh. and did a half. I wonder if I really tried. Could I do a full? Yeah. And the answer is yes. Yeah, of course you can. <laughs> of course you can. If I can do it, you can do it. Right. And that's a, and that's the thing because there is like level doing it is a completely wide saying I've, do, I've done a marathon means could mean you ran your fucking ass off uh-huh. on, or it could mean you just crossed the finish line eventually. Right. Yeah. Right. And it doesn't matter because most people don't do either of those things. Right. <laughs> just completing it is a success. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, that is what's exciting about it to me. And that's what drew me to doing things like this. Like I did, I started doing triathlons before I did uh, the marathon in 2009. Like oh, maybe interesting. When I was like 35 or something. Okay. And what, what spurred on, were you uh, a, an endurance athlete at all before that? Never, or, never. Or was it one of those like, cause I'm, I think I'm going through it now too, where I'm uh-huh. like, I'm in my mid thirties. I'm not as healthy as I should be. Mm-hmm. I'm also like a event oriented person of like, wouldn't it be cool to have done this cool thing? Yes. And so like, I kind of combined the two into this half marathon for yeah. myself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For me. Yeah. It was similar to that for me. I, okay. I guess I moved here in 2002 and around 2005, I started to take these things on. And it, it was be, it was a couple of things. First of all, it was because I lived in Southern California, where you do lead a slightly healthier lifestyle. Yeah, or at least by uh, association, where you're like, I can't go meet up with all my friends uh, for brunch after they've all ran and worked out yes. or yoga or hiked, and I'm just like, New Yorker, just yeah. getting a brunch at eleven. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. I mean, it's you know, obviously, it's gorgeous all year round, so you can get out and run or get on your bike or whatever any day of the year, basically. Um, you also, I found that, um, 
I was like, I was a massive, I was a dirtbag in, in New York just because I could be. Yeah. And I had like a cool job where I could kind of, you know, I didn't usually have to work until the afternoon. <laughs> so I could go out until four in the morning, five nights a week if I wanted to. And I did. And you eat dinner at like 3.45 every a.m. Garbage. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, yeah. Then you have the slice of pizza that ends your night and then you go right to bed. And I smoked and I just, you know, you, you don't lead a healthy lifestyle in, in New York. Yeah. But you go out here, and I hated going out here. I didn't like the people that I saw when I went out. Yeah. Places closed two hours earlier, even if I wanted to stay out until they closed, which I never did. It's not, it's not a bar town. I always wonder with LA, because I did the New York to LA move too, uh -huh. but I always wonder if it's New York to LA or uh, late 20s to mid 30s that I'm like less, in, it's more like less bars, more dinner parties. And I'm wondering yeah. if that's an age thing, but it's also a Los Angeles thing. I it feel is. Because like. we have space now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Cause yeah. you no one, no one ever hosted a, I mean, you would maybe have some people over your house to smash beers before you went somewhere just uh -huh. to save money, but it was standing in your fucking living room for <laughs> sure. Yeah. Now we're firmly in our dinner party years. Yes. You know, exactly. <laughs> um, which is good. However, when I go back to New York, I can still be a dirtbag with the best of them. I can, I don't hang. close places down anymore, but I can, I can do it. Oh, I'll be, I'll be eating like a three thirty dollar slice. I can handle it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I've um, eaten a number of bodega sandwiches in my hotel bed while there for oh a gig god. or something. <laughs> oh god! I was at a uh, a festival, a podcast festival, or a comedy festival, or something, um, in New Orleans. Ugh. this goes back a couple years. Ugh. and and this isn't even the worst thing that happened. But like, we went out and had a New Orleans night, and I woke up not only covered in boxes of crystal hamburgers. Oh hell yeah! But with like a half an unchewed one in my mouth. Oh my God. Like I woke up with food in my mouth I, that I was too drunk to finish chewing. When you wake up after a late night eat without brushing your teeth and yeah. like, you know, you're just like septum breathing the whole night yeah. and you wake up and you're like, my mouth still tastes, I've never woken up and had the materials in my mouth. That's uh -huh. terrifying. Yeah. I could have choked to death. <laughs> You could have mama cast. If there was any weight or mass to a crystal burger. Right. To be fair, you could have coughed and it could have landed on the ceiling. <laughs> the ceiling like a spitball. <laughs> For those who don't know, Crystal is sort of like the South's White Castle. It's 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 exactly White Castle. Yeah, because I remember I, good I saw it when I was in New Orleans. It was the first place I saw it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what is this? There was a line of people outside and I just got online. Yeah. I'm there to eat all the fancy foods. And I'm like, what's Crystal? What is Crystal? <laughs> Give me raw oysters and Crystal burgers. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so I found myself sort of being nearer a heavier, uh, a healthier lifestyle. I yeah. quit smoking. Um, I just kind of, you know, I, I began to adopt healthier habits. And then I thought, okay. Also, I was just reaching a point like career-wise where I felt like I was just reading teleprompters and I was just going on like auditions for shit that I wasn't excited about. And I was like doing improv and stuff that was fun, but wasn't making me any money. And I was like, I need a challenge. Like I need to do something. And the simpler, the better. Like just the parallels I'm feeling right now yeah? are insane. This awesome. is like pretty much all the inspiration for. Okay, and I'll get into it more, but I want to keep here. Yeah, yes, so I I was like I need to. I have lost the experience of challenging myself to do something that I won't be good at right away. Because you kind of don't want to do that in your career once you're in your 30s. You're yeah. not like, maybe I, maybe I could do this. Maybe I'm a stand-up. Maybe I'm a club yeah. comic. Oh, no. Yeah, it's like that's way more daunting and yeah. way less a good use of your time. And, yeah. you, and you, do, you don't have as much time. So right, right. like, I don't want to... I don't want to put the time into, yeah, like working out a set or whatever. Yes. I also don't, I like, I'm too vain. I, I hope I've gotten over this, but 
at the time I was certainly too vain to fail publicly. Right. Once I had, like once I was doing things that were visible. Yeah, once people know who you are, th- yeah. there's an element to that where yeah. it's like, I-, I can't put out anything below a B plus right. for people because it'll be, you know, it'll and be you bad. Know what? This is, this has a little bit to do with what I'm talking about, but when, uh, when I, okay, I started at, M- at MTV in 98 and the UCB stuff started around that time also. I had been doing improv through some other weird like school and doing shows in bars that nobody showed up to these <laughs> bars to see an improv show. Um, but they were, they were fun for us. And, uh, and so at the time that my profile started to kind of rise a little bit is right when those classes started up and right when they got their performance space and all that. And I knew them and I had seen them and we, you know, I'd, I'd seen them do shows around town and I was like, God, they're fucking amazing. I want to be, a, I want to do that. But in order to do that, I had to take those classes and I had to suck in front of them yeah, or in front of some, some imaginary stranger. And you're, you're a little bit, you are a little Dave Holmes at this point. I, yeah. A people know who Dave, I'm, yeah. I'm on basic cable. Yes. Yes. And I was too young and dumb and vain to like withstand the negative opinion of some person who of doesn't strangers. even exist yet of hypothetical person, people you've created. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Who might want to run out and tell their friends that like, like I might come on TV and then be like, Oh, I did a scene with that guy and it was terrible. Right. Like for some reason that was insurmountable for me. I couldn't get past it. And it's a huge regret of mine because like, what a thing to have been in. Right. At, you know, <laughs> at, at the start like, of it at, yeah. on the ground floor as that like shot through the roof. You know? Oh, that's wild. But yeah, and it was pure vanity that kept me away. I told, uh, that is such an un, like totally an understanding thing. Yeah. I think some people even have it where they are improv performers and are confident on stage, mm-hmm. then get a little level of fame and then are afraid to go back and do improv where people have like a little bit more of an expectation uh-huh. from them. Uh-huh. Like some of my more famous friends who I came up doing improv, yeah. they've expressed like, I don't want to be the guy that kind of like bombs, you know, because yes. everyone remembers the. you're looking for the guy, the, the guy who or gal who, you know, to fail in a weird way. In a weird way yeah. you are. Yeah. And you'll get it. Yeah, and it happens. You're gonna get yeah, it. You can't, it's not a hundred percent hit rate. No, no. Like you will suck. <laughs> you will just at eat some a point dick. for at least the scene. You will be absolutely eating shit on stage, and yeah. someone will be like, "Isn't that the dude from Guy Code from Five Years?" Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you have to just handle it. That's but a I lot understand, to get I over. understand that totally. It's I understand. A lot to get yeah. over. And uh, oh, so so getting back, I I was like career wise, I just felt like I was. Like idling, you know, I yeah. was, I was, uh, I was doing this like, um, like bumper, like movie bumper. That was DVD on TV, That was right? DVD on TV. <laughs> uh, By the way, I think that IMDB trivia should just sell a show that's rapper. Like that's like a dream. Yeah. Like that thing is Why such a they smart that? thing. Why haven't they done you that? You have to have commercials in your movies. Yeah. Every, every channel should just have that. Spend a little bit of money. And like, and, just and add a little something to viewing. it. Yeah. Right. Because I, I, I love the idea of the show. I loved watching the show. Oh, thank you. Yeah, but as soon as you get to have like DVR and stuff, you're like, well, I'm going to skip the people talking in the movie. Like, uh-huh. But like with the streaming, it's like sort of built in that it shouldn't be. Yeah. There, there should, you should watch Walking Dead followed by Talking Dead and have to skip it if you or, want. Or there should be like a pop-up version of all of these things. Right. Exactly. Whatever. Exactly. It's very yeah. strange. Um, but the the long the long and short of it is like I just felt like I wasn't doing anything that was exciting to me, yeah. and I felt like I was like, like is this 
is this now what I do for the rest of my life? Like sort that, of- you're at that point. Cause I, I can relate a little bit here. You look back on your last like three or four years and mm-hmm. it's been fine and it's been decent, but it's not been as crazy as you, uh, as mm-hmm. good as you thought it was or as bad as you were worried it might happen. Right. And then you're looking forward three or four years and you're like, am I going to just have eight years of being here? Cause yeah, because that's what happened to me is I was putting off so much stuff saying like, well, once I'm pop, once I make this X amount of money, once I have this TV thing, uh-huh. then I'll get into taking care of things that I want to do personally. Right. And then f- I've now lived out here for six years, but like three or four years went by where I like didn't do anything for my, or I don't feel like I did that much for myself. Uh-huh. And I'm like more stressed about my career. And then three or four years go by and I look back and I'm like, I can't believe I was stressed. It was always, there's always two months of sadness. Sure. There's always, And then you start to see that. And I'm like, but I wish I would have done, I could look back on my three years and be like, well, you did do this. You did do that. And then I uh-huh. realized I needed, and I had it in New York a little bit cause I played rugby. Uh-huh. So for me, that was like a huge thing. Men's league rugby was like every Saturday. It didn't matter what my, how my audition went that week. I could just tackle someone. Right. And I started to feel like that here in LA. And I was like, I just had this thing where I, and it, it, it all started this year where this year I got scuba certified. I ran a half oh, marathon. Shit. I was just like, these are things I've always wanted to do. Yeah. And I always think I'm going to have time, blah, blah, blah. I still don't have kids or anything like that. So I'm like, I got to fucking just pull it pull the trigger now. And I'm always afraid to like spend $600 on something because it's like, what if you don't make any money for three months? And then Uh I realized like it all evened out in the wash. I'm I'm lucky enough to have a spouse that makes good money and works every day. Uh Um, So I was like, working right now. Yeah. My own eyes. (laughs) It's true. A, I am truly married and B, she is currently working. Uh Dave can attest to both of those. (laughs) those. The marriage, I don't know for sure, but I do know that there there is someone working. (laughs) Shit. He's on to me. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) She's a uh, (laughs) UCB actress. I hired to improvise. Be like, Dave, coming over and oh, they like <laughs> thrilled for the work <laughs> i know hey i would take it i yeah. would play a fucking husband oh yeah uh, it's unpaid but you know <laughs> yeah. it's great experience Exposure. Good you know dave hums uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. on tv <laughs> yeah um, um but so i felt right. oh so um, that's why i just signed up for shit yes yeah you got to do it and yeah. it, it is the most and wait, okay it is the most simple undeniable way to mark growth like as you've said you you couldn't run a mile and then you could run a mile and yeah. then you could run two miles and you couldn't see yourself running three. And then you did run run three. Like that that kind of growth is just undeniable. Right. And like when you start out, it is just a fact that when you start training for one of these things, you can't do it. You can't do it. No, you couldn't do a half marathon on the first day. I'm sure there you are can't s- do it. some people who are in training, but like you just yeah. can't be the kind of person who can cold run 13 miles. You can't do it. But if you do the training in the right way, your body changes and then you can do it. And the training is weirdly easier than you than it sounds. Well, until the until the last month. Right. I would but say. But I would say for half marathon training, because Okay. All but my I mean, friends, you're still yeah. you're still going past your maximum. Right. You are increasing your maximum. Yeah. Which is but it's crazy that like at least with the program I got, I wish I knew that the guy on Twitter off the top of my head who messaged me and said, Hey, if you're trained to do a half marathon I heard you mention you were going to run in these shoes. You should run in these shoes. You're yeah. a big guy. You should do here. Look, check out this program. This is a kind of template. And he just, you know, gave me like the two shorts a week and uh-huh. one longer one. Keep at my long. It was like a 16 week program. My long run the first week was one and a half miles. Great. And then by the, the two weeks before the race, I ran nine and a half. Yeah. And it was like, and that's and one exciting. and a half. I did not run unbroken either. Yeah. The first time I did it. Yeah. 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 And if like, if you weren't a runner, I'm sure that's true. Yeah. It was, um, 
that is that is just exciting to me. And that is a treat that I find you don't give yourself the older you get because of vanity and because, you know, you run out of time and, you know, and, you you know, you don't want to. At the time, I was writing a lot, but I wasn't showing it to anybody. And I and it was because of that vanity. Like I was like, oh, I don't want to put something shitty out into the world for someone to laugh at right. on Defamer or yeah, something. Yes. You know? Oh, I get this. And uh, but then it was like. I, I think in in a in a way like my better self within me somewhere was trying to teach me a lesson by saying like do this thing and it will inform the other things in your life. Yeah. Like it, you will you know you will improve in other ways because you've shown yourself that you can. You know oh, what I mean? That's really cuz it is sort of like you can't make that rapid of improvements in your career. No. Like uh I mean unfortunately. <laughs> you know, but like yeah. and but it's one of those simple things like I also have once competed in a powerlifting meet and uh-huh. I trained for that. And that's when, another, when this tell, was like, tell me this was before I moved this. here. So it was like maybe 2010, 2011, okay, the dude, Northeastern, so, uh, regionals, USA, P- USA PL powerlifting. What was your, what was your uh, event? What was uh, your specialty? I did the, uh, uh, I did the, I entered in the traditional three lift event. So it was a squat, a bench and a deadlift. Squat, a bench, and, and the a way deadlift. they measure that is your total weight that you uh-huh. add up for all three. And I think I totaled, Almost like I think it was like eleven forty or eleven thirty something. So I oh my god, yeah, I squatted four forty, I benched three oh seven, and I deadlifted like four twenty four or something like that. Wow, yeah, it was awesome. But it was one of those things too. I find weight training if you really do it the way you're supposed to, like you like uh-huh. you do with running training is. Today you bench press one thirty five for five sets of five. Mm-hmm. Next week you do one thirty seven and a half for five sets of five. The uh-huh. week after that you do one four, and all of a sudden you're doing two twenty five for five sets of five. And when you're doing one thirty five, you couldn't even imagine it. Yeah, but it is one of those things where between your body learning the movements and adapting to the movements, muscular and uh, cardiovascular wise, like uh-huh. with running, like with running, all of a sudden your body's getting used to running. But also you're building the cardio. And for me, I dropped like 30 pounds. Uh-huh. And that every pound you go off is like exponentially easier to yeah. run with. Yeah. So it was like just like all three. And I found that the same thing with powerlifting. As you put on muscle and you, as you got stronger, as you got bulkier, like everything, like it all like dovetailed nicely to it. Yeah. And it's just the simplest like do more than you did yesterday. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh-huh. it's wild that it works. Yeah. And of course it does. Yeah. Just build up. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Which, you know, when you, when you graduate from school, you just stop doing a lot of that kind of thing. Yes. You know, unless, you know, uh, uh, unless it's like in a, in a job capacity or something like that. Um, but we have weird jobs. We don't have like traditional career paths. Well, that's secretly, I think low key, something that the running gives you is structure. Yes, it does. It gives you something to do X amount of days a week. Mm-hmm. And I found myself cause I knew I had to wake up early to run. I would like eat a little healthier the night before, uh-huh. like not drink or, at, you know, be like, well, I got to run five miles at 8am tomorrow. So I might uh-huh. as well just be a little cooler right now. Right. And it's like, all, like the way you improve your life by accident, like sort of mm-hmm. like, you know, background effects of what you do to your life when you're doing something. And I realized talking to my therapist, uh, that a major portion of it was just the fact that I had structure for the first time in a 15 year career. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, Oh, I don't even realize. And then we're not, we're just getting into it. But the mental health factor of exercising was something I never did until this year. This yeah. is my first year after a year of ther- like six months of therapy. Uh-huh. I was like, 
oh, I feel better when I exercise. Yep. I'm one of those guys now. Yeah. yeah. I feel more like myself, mm-hmm. which is crazy. It It is like, uh, it cleans out the cobwebs a yes. little bit in your brain. I haven't worked out for like two weeks and I had been eating gross and my in-laws were here. So my whole life is sort of off kilter. And I think I was like depressed up until this morning. And my gym session this morning was garbage. Yeah. It sucked. But leaving it, I was like, oh, that's it. We're back on the ladder. We're back mm-hmm. climbing. Let's just keep going. It felt yeah. fucking great. Yeah. Yeah. So it takes a while. It is what I imagine childbirth to be from, you know, uh, from explanations that I've heard. Not the actual childbirth itself, but the thing of it's incredibly intensely painful during and then almost immediately you forget and you're like, okay, I could do this again. Yes. That's how I felt. I crossed the finish line saying, screaming to my wife, my first and last half marathon. Yeah. And then uh, we stayed in Vegas for two more days. And then on the flight home from Vegas, I was like, what are cool other half marathons? Yes. (laughs) Well, let let me tell you about one that I think we're going to do in June of next year. No, July of next year. Um, The Napa to Sonoma half marathon. Dude. I'm I'm signing up for that. Me, oh, my, yeah? me and the guy who did the half marathon together in Vegas. Oh, great. Because his, his husband and my wife are uh-huh. best friends. Uh-huh. I mean, we're all, all four of us are very close friends, but they're non-runners and they had a blast coming to Vegas with us. And yeah. we're like, oh, maybe we can go to Napa and Sonoma and drink for wine for three days after, but yeah. one one day. Yeah. There is a, uh, a wine stop at mile 10. <laughs> I mean, it's not mandatory, obviously, but- you, uh, there is like a, a water and Gatorade stop that also serves wine. Oh, have um, you done that one previously? I never have, but it next seems beautiful, year, right? You run it. through, I'm sure yeah. it's hilly as fuck, which might be hard. I don't know that it is. I mean, it's even better. It's kind of along the valley floor, really. Uh, but it's like through vineyards, right? I would imagine it's no, I think it's on kind of the major highway that connects Napa to Sonoma. Oh, even better. Yeah. As long which as it's is flat. not. I mean, it's it like rolling hills, but nothing, nothing major. And this is literally the one me and my buddy uh, Ray were talking about because we were like. July is just far enough to not run until March. If uh-huh. that's like what ends up happening. Yeah. Where you could be like, oh, I don't even fucking get around to train. But you yeah. can start training in March and pull it off again because you know mm-hmm. you can do a half marathon in three months. Exactly. And but you know, now, you know like, how to do it. But now I have like a time I want to do. It. Of course. You, uh, of course. <laughs> yeah. My, my, okay. So my last 5K in uh, in this one, in, in the New York Marathon, was my fastest of the, of the whole thing. That's and it's wild. partially because you know there are a couple downhills, but not even really. There are uphills as well. It, it was definitely like, you know, I hit the. This is whatever the last three or so miles. Um, you hit Central Park. There's, um, you know, there's. I mean, there are people cheering you on every step of the way, except for the bridges. I couldn't believe that, by the way. How yeah. how much how nice that really was. Yeah, oh, that people were just so like I, that. Maybe didn't even have anyone they knew in the race. Uh huh. <laughs> they just were like, still hanging out with signs. It. Yeah, yeah. I love that. When I lived in New York, I was on the Upper East Side for the first couple of years, and we used to go out to First Avenue and drink Bloody Marys and smoke cigarettes and yell at runners. And oh, it's it so awesome. honestly really helps. Never imagined in a million years that I <laughs> that would, you would be, be on the, the other, other guy. Side. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but I, I, I crossed the finish line, like my last mile especially. Um, this is very corny, but I dedicated it to my dad who I lost a couple years ago. I was just like, oh. I was thinking of him because my, my energy was really, it felt like it was flagging. And it's, it's deceptively long, that last mile, you know? Oh, I felt that at... At a 13. When it hit yeah. 12, I was like, oh, I should be able to jog this in. Yeah. And I couldn't. Yeah. 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 It's long. But I just was like, it's almost over. And I just, you know, it's so exciting when you turn that corner, you kind of, you go out of the park a little bit onto Central Park South and the crowd gets even bigger. 
and you know you can see the finish line. You can hear like the announcers. You can hear the pop of yes. every time someone crosses. People yeah. are going crazy. Yeah, yeah. that's adrenaline. And yeah. uh, and so I and so I crossed like kind of fast, and uh, and I was in you know physical agony at the end of it because it really hurts. And then you you immediately get very cold because you're covered in sweat and it's November. Right. And they put the foil thing around you. And my first thought was like I could have done that better. I could do that faster. And that's how they get you. You know what I mean? Like you feel like, I, you know, I could have done this differently and that differently. And, you know, I could, done, you know, this, I would change this in my training and whatever. Yeah, I had like a super busy last three weeks before the race mm -hmm. where I missed like two short runs and had to cut a long run short. Uh -huh. And I was like, and I was supposed to run up to like 11 miles and I only made it to like nine and a half. Yeah. And then at mile 10 in the race, I, my body rejected me completely. And yeah. I was like- Fuck you. This is because you slacked off in training. You uh -huh. can definitely. And then all I thought about was like, if you were to do this again, you're doing this right. Yeah. yeah. You got to really do it. Yeah. I missed a couple long runs because of travel as well. Um, That's the thing. A buddy of mine who did uh, the marathon, uh, not this year, but has done it previously, was like, the marathon itself is brutal. Yeah. But when like you're with your family over a weekend and you have to leave to run 19 miles uh -huh. and you're going to be gone for three and a half hours in the city that you're visiting with your in-laws or whatever. Uh -huh. Like that's, that's when the marathon training gets really frustrating. I yeah. Feel like, cause I couldn't imagine running over 10 miles several times in training. That's why I yeah. think I can never do you just time wise doing a full marathon just feels time wise. Crazy. Too. It is. It is crazy. And especially this one because it's in November. So the long runs, the really long runs start in like late June. Oh, you know, yeah, like, it's hot what, as fuck here. It's hot as fuck. So um, I ran with a, with a friend of mine, uh, and we would, uh, like, once we got over, like, 14 miles, we would go to the beach. So we'd go to, like, uh, we'd park down in, in Manhattan and, like, go to Hermosa and back, and then Hermosa, Redondo and back, and then, you know, oh, Hermosa, Redondo, Palos Verdes back. And, uh, and it's flat. It's a little cooler. And then, and you're at the beach, and you're at the beach. So, There's an ocean and, at least visible for chunks of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, and then it's over, and you go right to a bar. Right. You know what I mean? You go and you eat something shitty, and you have a beer and yeah. whatever. Take a dip in the ocean, if well, yeah. maybe not in uh, at the end of a run, but yeah, I I never did. That. I should have, but whatever. Um, or <laughs> you whatever. have to get right yeah. to the shitty food. <laughs> yeah, <you laughs> I don't have, have a time right for to the, right <laughs> to the the pork nachos <laughs> at uh, at Sharky's at Baja Sharky's. And you and it's funny because. One thing, when I started this training, a friend of mine said, the only thing that if I could give any new runners advice, a guy who's like long time, he's like, don't think on the day of your long run, you've earned whatever you want. Uh -huh. <laughs> and it's like, I did never learn that. Yeah. I was like, I ran eight miles today. Fuck you. I'm having uh, sweet chick fried chicken for brunch. And I'm going to ha hammer it down. And yes, you can. Yeah, I mean, of course you shouldn't. But yes, you can. It is easy to consume more calories than you burn, but yeah. at the same time, fuck it. Like, but what are you doing it for? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, are you, uh, you know, I don't. I that's okay for me. I'm not, I, I'm on the, I feel the same way. Yeah, because I, I well, I mean, for people like me, and I don't want to speak for you, but like, I enjoy a binge eating session. Mm -hmm. So if I can earn it. I'm going to do it a couple of Saturdays a month anyway. It's going to happen. <laughs> right. So, so you might if as well it happens to me after I did 80% of it. Exactly. exactly. You know, <laughs> and you don't need to feel guilty about that. Right. You right. do not need to feel guilty oh, that's, about that. Yeah. Which is a good thing. So, yeah, the long runs are terrible. I, in fact, I never had belonged to a, well, I had, but not in a long time belonged to like a proper gym. Yeah. I was doing like this training mate thing. And then I was like, I did CrossFit for a minute. 
Um, but I hadn't been on like a treadmill in a while just to do like a six mile run or whatever during the week on a treadmill. Just so to like make it a proper gym. Yeah. yeah. But if you don't get, if, if it's July and you're not, you don't have that done by 9 a.m., oh, right. forget you, it. You better it's go gonna to be a gym. 115 degrees outside oh. and you're going to die. Right. So, oh. yeah. So I did a lot of like the midweek runs on treadmills and stuff like that. Um, and it is, yeah. I mean, it's a pain in the ass and it, it like, it takes you out of your life and you got to, you know, you got to, we were in London and I had to like go and do a nine mile run. And yeah, you know, I ran seven miles in a wildlife preserve in Portugal with my, when my, I was there with my in-laws. Awesome. Same thing. Yeah. Awesome. But I truly felt amazing. Yeah. I was like, it feels good. A friend of mine, the mar- the marathon trainer I f- previously mentioned, also a guest on this podcast in the rugby episode for listeners, uh, Paul Young. Uh-huh. Paul was like, uh, he's like, I go full corny. You can search running routes in these cities uh-huh. and then he goes then i download a spotify playlist of music of where i'm visiting sure and he's like now i'm running through uh spain listening to spanish guitar and it's yeah. like this is my uh, uh, combining my hobby of travel and my hobby of now i guess on my my hobby is running uh-huh. you dovetail those two nice like that's it's a- so nice <sighs> and in fact in london because i had to do this uh kind of longish run um you can't do it on Busy city streets because no, they're busy. It's terrifying too because yeah, you're the traffic pattern. <laughs> oh my, the traffic pattern is a, a, the opposite of what your brain has come to expect. <laughs> the cabbies will kill you. Like they whip around <laughs> corners. Like it's it is a very dense city, but that does not stop people from driving very fast. I find in that New York, you're it's gridlocked. It's gridlocked. Yeah, I find Somehow, in Europe, their cars manage to drive like in yeah. the center in the town center of Lisbon uh-huh. in. Tuscany, you're just like, wow, there's like a thousand cars on this road and we're all going 75 kilometers an yeah. hour. And it's like, and it's a roundabout. There's no lights and no signs. I'm yeah. like, it's fucking horrifying. And it's it's largely because, I guess, the roads are laid out in ways that are intuitive. It is where people and then and then donkeys and shit like went. Right. Like it, it is the flow of whatever to get around the, the town evolved over thousands of years right right whereas like new york there was a city planner and it was like you know we're putting streets here and it's yeah. a grid and whatever so long story short I, I i got off the path and into like residential areas and found like great little pubs and found the place where we had our sunday roast and all of these places just because it was like a block back from the Right, you, you wouldn't street. necessarily if you were trying to take the quickest route on foot. You right. might you might miss all that. Of but course, when you're like, I have to go nine miles. You're yeah. like, I guess I'll make a left here, and uh-huh. then you just like wander off. Yeah, right. And I found a great park that I wouldn't have found on my own. And oh, it was yeah. it was great. It's a pain in the neck, but if you do it properly, you purchase yourself a good race day with that right you know so what you're saying is if you stick to the training that a lot of which you can google very easily Mm -hmm. it's like first marathon and you know it's like 20 weeks 22 like whatever Mm -hmm. amount of time put Uh in whatever amount of time whatever your level of training whatever level run you want to do yeah and someone has a gridded out uh thing online and you can you know they, they vary, but they're basically the same. Yeah. You know, sometimes there's a speed workout in there. I didn't care as much about speed. I just wanted to not right. stop. You yeah. Know? Just wanted to keep going. But now on this round, are you going to be like, maybe I should do a little. Well, yeah. I mean, now thinking that I had gas in the tank at the end, 
I was like, well, then I could have, you know, I could have taken on the Queensboro Bridge a little more aggressively. I could have done this a little better. I could have, yeah. whatever. I could have not cut, had Shake Shack the night before. I could have cut five seconds off every mile leading up to that. Maybe. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And then so, you're like, holy shit, that's a hundred seconds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's something. Right. And it's why. Yeah. That's how, that's how I feel. I did three hours and 20 minutes for a half um, my goal in my head was three hours because I just did like quick math of like 13 minute miles uh-huh. or 13, 20 minute, mi- 13 colon 24, 13 miles is around three hours. Uh-huh. But I didn't f- under like I, I didn't know how bad my body was going to be at mile 10. Mm-hmm. I just I, I, I couldn't even. And then I should have I should have known better because after I'd done my nine mile runs, I was like laid up in my apartment for like 15, 20 minutes. Where uh-huh. I was like, oh, my God, I can't even get. I pushed two auditions back due to long runs. Really? <laughs> yeah. I, twice in my training, I had to go, I'm supposed to be there at three, but can I get there at four? Because yeah. I, I don't care. I'll drive home move. from Studio City at 530. I just can't move right now. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's crazy to feel like that. And, yeah. But it also f- feels good. It's a good, it's a really oddly good feeling. Yeah. It's were a really you, good feeling. Were you ever an athlete? Did you ever play sports? No, or I mean, I, I went to a small Catholic school where we had to always be on a sports team. Yeah. Because there were like 50 kids to a class and- they couldn't field teams if they didn't force us into it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I did it just to like scratch off the requirement. Right. Um, but my my like instead of football, I did cross country. Yes. And that was just because I had to do something and I was afraid right. of football. Right. Um because I found for me the half marathon stuff triggered like the old because I pl- I played football, I played college rugby, and then I played men's league for a while. Uh-huh. And I, I found the three times in my life when I've been in the two times in my life when I've been in the best shape of my life after college was like when I was training to start playing rugby again and when I was training for that powerlifting meet. Uh-huh. And I realized I still have like some old jock in me that's like, well, I don't want to go to this marathon and fucking bomb. Yeah. So then I'm like, oh, if I set a marathon for November, it's uh June now, I might actually train for this. And yeah. then I did it. And now yeah. I'm like, so I think that's why I want to have this July one where I'm like because I, I after three days of dying in Vegas, I said to my friend Rafe, I was like, I feel like if you do three to five miles a couple of days a week for, uh, you know, and never let that go, uh-huh. and then 12 weeks out from a half marathon, you can build up, build up to that run. Mm-hmm. And starting, rather than starting from zero, starting from, you know, whatever, however far along I am. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, listen to me. I'm planning another race. I'm talking yeah. about... I would never if you if a year ago if I said to my wife I'm like I think I'm gonna start doing three to five miles a couple of days a week she'd be like come on dude right. <laughs> but then and you you can't be prepared for what six months of that will do to you and yeah. how much more ambitious you might get and what other notions might creep into your head yeah. you know about other things you can do um, it feels w- yeah. I, I truly feel the best mentally I felt in a long time because mm-hmm. I feel like also it really teaches you like. Problem solving is not the right thing, but it teaches you how to deal with issues in a way where you're like, 13 miles, holy shit. And it's like, well, I got to run one today, so let me just do it. Uh-huh. And then I'll, it's the same thing for finishing a screenplay. It's the same thing for writing yeah. a book. It's the same thing for uh, any career, mo- any emotional thing. You're like, you got to just start yeah. doing it. Because I was always a guy who's like, all right, cool. I'm going to st- I'm gonna go back to the gym hard. I'm going to go five days a week. Mondays, I'll do this. Tuesdays, I'll do cardio. And you're just setting yourself up for failure uh-huh. if you make it too much. And so then I like had to back it all the way down to just put your sneakers on and walk out of your door. And then do that's running. the most you can do. Right. And that's what, oh, that's the other thing that running got to me was like, I didn't have to drive to a gym mm-hmm. and we're lucky to have the weather and like a, I don't live near on a highway or anything like that. So I can just 
go out and run around the town, uh, the neighborhood. And that was like a great start to me because it removed any thing that would stall me from exercising where uh-huh. it's like, just put on your sneakers and you can start working out the second you open your front door mm-hmm. instead of like, I got to get to the gym. Oh, my water bottle. Oh, my gym clothes, like all yeah. that shit. And, and I found that with, I was like, oh, this is pure. Yeah. This is get real. And go. Yeah. It's so wild. It yeah. Feel, and, and then the highlight of my entire training was, and I feel like I talked to you about this already, but uh, during my training, it was like a Monday where I have to run, you know, three to five miles, depending on where. And I think it was like three that day. And mm-hmm. I was like, I usually ran in the morning, so it was done and I could eat, what you know, go back to, and I couldn't get it going in the morning. I had something early and then it was like 5 p.m. and I was uh, at recording a podcast and I'm like, Tiff's going to be home for dinner. I'll, I'll skip the run today and I'll punt it. And then I got home at six. She texted me and said, I won't be home till seven. Uh-huh. And I was like. It's 6 p.m. I really need, usually need half hour to get ready to go running. I'm like, but maybe I can get three miles done before she, she gets home from mm-hmm. work. And I put on my shit, did a little light stretch, less than I've ever done. And then I was like, just go out. And I'm like, had a big lunch. And I just did three miles, unbroken. As a mm-hmm. matter of fact, answered a call from a first AD on my AirPods. It was mm-hmm. like, your call time for Friday. And I was like, you got it. And I was like, not out of breath. Uh-huh. I got back from three miles. I was sweaty and I felt good. And mm-hmm. Tiff pulled up and I was like, holy shit, what? And she's like, what? I'm like, I ran three miles. She's like, you ran eight last weekend. I'm like, but I ran three miles without like it being on my mind all day. Yeah, just Which like, is, oh, hey, let me go do this. Right, exactly. And it's like, to me, running three miles, if you told me, all right, next Friday, you got to run three miles a year ago, I would uh-huh. be like, have anxiety diarrhea leading up until sure. that Friday. Yeah. I d- okay, so I did, Here's a th- it, it never leaves you, by the way. Like, you will, you know, the, the race is over, you get back to mostly your habits, you're, you're probably going to do more running than you, you did before. But when you start training, when you start building miles again, you still won't be able to believe that you can do it, you know? I, yeah. I did a half marathon in... Uh, in Huntington Beach this past February, as a lead up to tr- as part of your training, or I, sort I of- actually hadn't decided for sure that I was going to do uh, the New York Marathon this year yet. I was in the lottery, and and the the whole purpose by which I ended up doing it, which we'll get into later, hadn't hadn't sort of presented itself yet. But anyway, uh, so I did this Surf City Half Marathon around Huntington Beach, very flat, you know, nice cool day. And it's one of these where it's like a half and a full at the same time. Yeah. That's how Vegas was the one I did. Yeah. Yeah. And so you go and you do your thing. And I remember like, you know, I hadn't done a half in years. Um, I, I probably wasn't training as well as I should have. I probably got a little cocky or whatever, but I was like, I dragged myself from miles 10 to 13. Had somebody running with me who was very patient and very encouraging but then, you know, you cross your finish line and the other people have to turn around and it wasn't like twice of the same thing, but they had to go and do 13 more miles, which at the time for me, even though I had done it, was totally inconceivable. Yes. Like I was like, I can't believe that those people are about to do that. How can they do that? Uh-huh. And then eight months later, I did that, you know? So you will, it will always be a thing that you have, like you start from the bottom of the hill Every single time. Right. But it's also really exciting every single time when you do it. Because you are getting those those little victories yeah. every time. You're yeah. getting a new personal best that yeah. you, I ran further and fast. Uh-huh. Further, uh, I ran more miles in less time than I did previously. Like right. that's all. That's and like the, something you couldn't do when you were 18. And I think that's like the appeal, the biggest appeal of like CrossFit that I don't uh-huh. think, um, 
as someone who's also done CrossFit, like the group training element is huge because it makes you feel like you're on a sports team and we're all training together. Uh-huh. But I think the bigger element is the quantification of everything. Yes. Of, of record keeping, which is what old bodybuilders have been doing for years, but not every, not every mm-hmm. weekend warrior was. But when CrossFit introduced that, all of a sudden you get the endorphins of actually working out and also the endorphins of like, I push pressed six more reps this time than I did last time I uh-huh. did this. Uh-huh. I'm improving. Yeah, <laughs> I better keep doing this and keep improving. Yeah, I'm, uh, now I want to get even better. Holy uh-huh. shit, I did actually progress. Uh-huh. And I think like learning, seeing that you can do, that you can progress is something that, and we talked about this already, but like, it's something you don't get to do in your 30s and 40s. No. Where you're like, oh, I'm actually improving at something. Yeah. 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 It's, a, then, it's a treat. Yeah. It's a little little treat you can give yourself. <sighs> Another weird thing that happens out here, especially in, in Southern California, because it's beautiful every day. Um, you can, and I did for a few years with, with a group of people, just sign up for, like, we'd be like, let's do a race this Saturday or whatever. Like, yeah. there's a 10K or a 5K or whatever. And so, you know, you get on active.com and there's a list of races. And there are there are never fewer than, like, a half a dozen within an hour's within drive. Hour's got, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and sometimes they're fun. And, some like, literally, we, there was one in Santa Monica, and we showed up, and it was just some guy in a hatchback. And he was like, here's, the, here's your numbers. And, like, and they... Like there weren't sponsors as much as like he went to a Costco and got some like Gatorade gels or something. (laughs) And, uh, you know, so it was like, okay, I think, I think you might be trying to start something here and you're not quite there yet. (laughs) We did the, the, the first Hollywood, the indie 10 K game is huge. (laughs) There's some up and comers. Um, we did the first Hollywood half marathon a few years back that, um, was, I think they still do it. But the 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 bib pickup, they were like, there'll be a step and repeat. Wear a suit. Make it fun. Like, make it like a Hollywood premiere, <laughs> which, like, nobody's going to fucking do. No. Except a few people actually did it. Um, <laughs> I didn't. But then also, um, it was, like, out and back from, like, Universal City. Like, in oh, through cool. Hollywood and then around back. And by the time we came back, they... They had all the water that they needed in like big jugs, but they had run out of cups. They didn't get enough cups. So it was it was starting to get hot. We were all starting to need water. And they had these like five gallon jugs of water <laughs> that they would pour into cups, you know, at a traditional thing where you go and you drink water, but they didn't have any cups. So they were just kind of standing there like... Does anyone want to come and put their mouth on this five gallon thing? Which some people did. You got it. Um, we, a, a friend that I was running with and I just grabbed a five gallon jug and passed it between us for like the last three miles just because we were, we knew we were going to want it. And, uh, and they just were out of cups. So you will, you will find there are always races to do, but they don't always have their shit together. Yeah. I like those races. I, I realize like, like a destination plus like some sort of like, I did the Vegas rock and roll one because so I got to run the strip, which as a yeah. big Vegas fan, it's amazing. I'm running literally down uh, Vegas Strip all the way to downtown Vegas and at, coming back. At night? Yeah, at night. Uh, Very exciting. Run start is at 530. Here's Great. something no one told me when I was getting ready to do my race, but I heard you mention something to my wife talking about it. The amount of pre-race time that you need to give yeah. to the race is and and of course, in hindsight, logistics, 35,000 people are doing the uh-huh. New York Marathon's even more. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, right. In my head, I was like, 
all right, we'll get there at like 4.30, stretch, and mm-hmm. be running at 5. And like instead, no, no, no. you're like in a pen, you're moving slowly. Yeah. They're like, go over here, go over here. You're like already cold, and you feel yourself getting tight again. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you're like, no, no, this is not an ideal way for me to start my race. Yeah. I timed it to be running by now, and now I still have like one more hour before I run, and we're all, it's getting colder and darker. Uh-huh. And it was crazy, and I was getting so stressed. And then I was like, no one else seemed to be stressed. I'm like, oh, this must be a common running thing mm-hmm. that I just never, because like if you ran out onto a field with your football uniform on and they were like, all right, yeah, race game should start in about an hour. Uh-huh. You'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah. 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 You just stand and eat a banana. Right. Um, this, um, this time, maybe they had it the last time, but definitely this time. And I didn't, I, I couldn't believe it in there. There are a bunch of different like corrals, right? There's like the orange and the blue and the green or whatever. And then within that, there are, um, there are like waves, right? Yeah. So at, at, Every corral as you went in, because there was like a common waiting area in Staten Island. You you like at four or five in the morning, you go and you get on a bus or you get on the Staten Island ferry. And uh, I was on a team, so we had a bus and we, you know, you, and it takes you an hour and a half to get to Staten Island. And then you're there at seven or something and you got it. You don't start until 11. So you're you're stuck there. And there's like kind of a common area. There's hay. They put down hay so you can like lay on it like a farm animal. Ugh. Um, and then like, if you've raised money for charity, you, there are these like heated tents that you can go to. Yeah. We had the, the uh, rock and roll had like the VIP tents and yeah. the team and training tent or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I think because I, um, I had written a, a little bit about it for runner's world. I, I was able to get into the, the media or the, the VIP area, Hell which is kind of nice. Um, and smuggle out bananas to the, to the people who were waiting, <laughs> um, and coffee, which was very important. Oh, but anyway. Long story short, once you um, get out of that and start to like go to your corral where you will then wait for another hour to get started, they had areas with service dogs. So like if you were bugging out, you could go and touch a dog. Oh, that's so smart. It was- Because it is a lot of anxiety. There is a lot of anxiety. It's a big deal. Yeah. And- uh, yeah, so I, I mean, that's I, so smart. I didn't even think of that. I that's wouldn't wild. have imagined yeah, it either. Uh, yeah, that's so cool. But there were like, I went into this little area, and there were three dogs. There were a couple that like needed to have their moments to themselves back in a little tent. Yeah, like they'd been pet a bunch, and they were like, "All right, let me <laughs> let me chill for a minute. Let me do some meditation. They need and to go to their out. service human and exactly. Get, yeah, feel better. Um, but yeah, there was a there was a golden retriever that I had a little moment with, and it helped. It, it helped. Oh, that's so cool. That's really fun. Yeah. Uh, I found I found it to be like a logistical nightmare. I can't believe they did it the way they did it with like all the and I couldn't believe it all went off. Yeah, and it was why. And then the the marathons going they all obviously went off at a different time than we did, but they're we had this, we shared the finish line. Uh-huh. But they're off and like they join you at like mile twelve and a half. Uh-huh. They come from somewhere and yeah. the feeling of you waddling and people coming from who have you know I've run exactly twice as far as mm-hmm. you and and just kind of puttering past you. It yeah. was like such an insane feeling of just like, I hated them, but I uh-huh. felt pride for I was like, fuck you. You're and a hero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they went through their personal hell to right. get to that moment right. also. Right. <laughs> uh, okay. My first uh, triathlon, uh, which we're going to do this one again in, uh, in May. It's called Wildflower. It's the first weekend in May up in San Luis Obispo in this big, beautiful national park. And the, the swim is in a freshwater lake. And um, it's just, it's really gorgeous. And, uh, and it's sort it's like, it's big. It's like one of the bigger triathlons in the, in the country. It's like tens of thousands of people. And, um, 
And I this was my first major race. I was maybe 34, 35. What's the distance on this race? Is this a mile uh, swim? It's a mile swim, 26-mile bike, and a six-mile run. Oh, okay. And um, so, and the last maybe 400 yards um, is like long and flat. You run down a big, long hill, and then there's kind of a long straight way to the, to the, uh, the finish line. And there was in front of me, like an older, like a guy who's probably late 60s, early 70s, right? And he was ahead of me. And I was like, I'm not proud of this part of myself, but I was, this was my first time doing something like this. And I wanted to like sprint to the finish. And I got that little, you know, last little bit of energy. And I was like, I shouldn't try to smoke this guy at the finish line, but I'm going to. <laughs> and uh, and I did. I like blew past him and, and it didn't feel good, but I was like, okay, whatever. I did it. And then I went and checked the times because they post your time after like 20 minutes or so. And, uh, and I was proud of the time that I got. But then I looked at the starting wave times and like the 60 and up group started half an hour after me. <laughs> so like I blew so, past him at the finish line and but he lost to him by 29 minutes and 30 seconds rushed me <laughs> crushed me that's a man awesome twice my age and I was middle-aged you know what I mean <laughs> yeah. uh so that imme- that was immediate like humility uh but it makes me excited that people are still doing it at that age and who yeah. knows when he started right exactly he could have started f- a year earlier right because uh, a triathlon's on on my books of something i want to do and i want to do one of those obstacle course races now that six mile run seems less crazy to me mm-hmm. i'll i look forward to seeing if i can do the rope climb in the hills and stuff yeah. like. and that also i think again to to tackle my interest like would make me train for you know i'd be like well i better be able to do some pull-ups i better mm-hmm. be able to mm-hmm. i better work on my core or whatever i might do more than just run if yeah. i Sign up for something like that. I might is what I said. Um, I did one of those. This this was like kind of during my little CrossFit phase, and, and there was a guy at my at my box. Sorry, <laughs> Where was your box? Else. I trained at Brick here for a while. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I I started going there because my friends went there, but I live in Studio City, so I went to Horsepower. Oh, nice. Um, but there was a guy who probably still goes there, who was one of the American Gladiators. It was like Zap or Nitro. He was Nitro. Oh, uh-huh. I had a goldfish named Nitro growing really? up. Yeah, Laser and Nitro. We named our goldfish wow. after the. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so he has started a like a Spartan race or a warrior race or something. Um, that's one of those. And uh, and it was at the uh, at the Rose Bowl. And I was like, well, a bunch of people from my gym are signing up. Maybe I'll go. And uh, and I hated it so much. I hated it <laughs> so much um, because I you know, I trained for the running and stuff. But like, I um, there was a thing where I had to like climb into like a shipping container and then climb back out. Yeah, and it was stressful. And there was all these people streaming in and out. And I was like, what if I what if I'm what if I live here now? Like, what if I can't get out? <laughs> there uh, there was a monkey bars thing where I got up and I was like immediately like I've n- I haven't had to grip my whole body weight in since I was eight years old. <laughs> right, right. And I can't anymore. <laughs> so I was like, I'll just do the push-ups because you do push-ups. You do like a penalty push-up, right? Like yeah. if you do 20 push-ups, you could skip the obstacle or whatever right. it is. Yeah. Which I ended up skipping a bunch just because I was like, I don't I don't <laughs> want to do that. Or it was something where you get really muddy and I was like, I don't want to fucking get muddy. <laughs> so then I, I got to the finish line and everyone from, from the gym was like, you're not muddy. And I was like, I I don't want to be muddy. I just don't want to be muddy. Like guys, I we're ran not going to be it, home for it. three hours. If, yeah. I, if I get muddy, I'm going to be dirty all afternoon. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then for all the people who did get muddy and then I was like a little bit dirty. Um, there was, there was like a communal Dr. Bronner's shower. 
Oh. <laughs> um, or they just spray you with soap and then hose you down. Very, like, very Auschwitz looking. <laughs> like, you would think it would be sort of sexy, but it was like, no, this really just looks yeah, like- Yeah, this is dehumanizing. This is truly dehumanizing. <laughs> yeah. um, and I, I vowed then and there that those are not for me. But I, I will do uh, triathlons again. Yeah, I want to do a triathlon. I, I, swimming is my strong suit. That's yeah. a, I was a swimmer in high school and a beach lifeguard. Uh-huh. Uh, listeners of this podcast have heard that 1,000 times. Uh-huh. But uh, And I, I use swimming. I swam once a week in my half marathon training just to have some uh, cross training, as they call it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you should let- do it. Uh, Wildflower is great. And there's there's a sprint. So if you want to start with a sprint, it's half of all of those distances. I think that's my wheelhouse. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a, yeah. good, it's a really good way to start and still super challenging yeah i think i might i might take you up on that you said it was in may let's do some adventure races yeah (laughs) that one's in the first week of may and then the napa to sonoma half marathon is the end of july that's in my iCal already i know we're fucking doing it oh that's awesome we're doing it um but let's talk a little bit about because uh there's a whole nother element that i'm dealing with being 295 pounds on these runs Uh uh-huh you're dealing with being a type one diabetic on Uh these runs but you've sort of I, dare I say harnessed it or like you, you you're using your power of your 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 type one to to educate and to inform and to well, demonstrate trying yeah yeah um yeah I was diagnosed with type okay it, um after like literally a week after doing the 2009 New York marathon I went to my doctor for a checkup and like my blood sugar was sort of high and he was like that's strange and we tested it again and he was like it was still high and he was like, well, this is type two diabetes because I was 38. Yes. And, uh, and it was, you know, like you heavy. shredded. Yeah. 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 Um, but like I was super active, like even at my, my heaviest, I was always really active. I didn't, you know, my diet was, I mean, there's room for improvement, but it wasn't, you know, whatever. I was like, this doesn't exactly seem right, but you trust a doctor. So I went on medication for that. Nothing changed. You know, five years went by and, uh, and then all of the the symptoms of of type one began to present themselves. I dropped a ton of weight. I was pissing constantly. I was always thirsty. I was testing my blood sugar and it just kept getting higher and higher and higher, um, regardless of what I ate. It was just really strange. And I was like, this doesn't seem right. Um, so I went I went to a specialist, like an endocrinologist, a, a like a hormone specialist, and uh, and got tests run. And it was like, no, this is that you have type one. It's just that. After a certain age, doctors just don't test for it because right, 95% of the time- Our people are born with it. Well, Or no. it's genetic, right? Type one, there's a genetic component. Like half of cases are, are diagnosed by age 13, but the other half are not. And you can be diagnosed with it you know, in your 80s. Type two is largely, but still not always, genetically- not genetically. Uh, it, there's a lifestyle component, right? And a yes. genetic component. Type that, two that is work. the one that people say, uh, whether they're right. correct or not, they say you give your, you get yourself, right. yeah, yeah. Which is, by the way, bullshit. I right. mean, there, there's a genetic component to everything. I know people with abs and type two, and I know people who you know drink nine big gulps a day and have yeah. healthy pancreas. My wife and I, the joke is, look at the two of us. Yeah. One of us has diabetes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So there's anyway, um, but. And it happens a lot. And since like talking about it publicly and writing about it and whatever, like people in my life have come forward and said like the exact same thing thing happened to me. In every case, people who are active in their mid thirties came out of nowhere. It's just they don't think to test you for type one. Oh, so and do, do they think you've ha- you had it for a really long time at that point? Or no, I was I was uh, in 
what is known as your honeymoon period where your pancreas is still working a little bit. Like some people have a very short uh, honeymoon period. Mine was longer because I was working out a lot more. I was watching what I ate a lot more. I was I was doing everything that I could do lifestyle-wise to keep my blood sugar within a, um, a healthy range, but you can't do that forever. Like right. you're, you can't, if you have type one- A pancreas that doesn't work, doesn't work. Right. Yeah, Your yeah. immune system is going to shut it down. Yeah. So I might've slowed that process a little, but it was going to happen. Yeah. So I just kind of blew my honeymoon period. Because Tiff's was uh, like an autoimmune reaction. Like yeah. she got sick in some other capacity and then as part of her healing process got mm-hmm. type one, mm-hmm. which because uh, she found out this sort of in a similar way where she was like, ah, oh, I've been getting night sweats for like a month. I have eczema and like these weird body things and nothing seems too problematic on their own. But when upon like just being like, it's I've tried cortisone cream, it's not working. And then to find out that it was just her blood sugar being off that yeah. whole time. Yeah. Which will fuck your whole body up. Yeah. It does more like so I people are always like, so do you go into a diabetic shock? It's like, that's not even the issue. I mean, yes, uh-huh. of course that's a major issue, but like there's so much more stuff that goes into it. where just like minor. And then you have that issue where you're like, have I been like sort of fucking myself over for 18 months straight now mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that? Yeah. Um, Cause it, there's a lot more preparation, especially for long distance cardio because uh, nutrition is important. If you don't have, right. if you have a fully functioning pancreas. Right. So for type one and Previously, I don't think it was like a big thing. Like if you had diabetes, I had a guy who had diabetes on my rugby team and he would always have to like drink Gatorade and leave or like you'd see him eating powder, like glycogen Mm -hmm. powder or whatever. But it's like, you don't know a lot of people who at least for a while were doing marathons as type one, right? You know, it's fine. I mean, there have been some. Right. Um, It's okay. Well, let me, let me just say this. I, um, after my diagnosis, like, and after I went on insulin, I, um, the the doctor was like find like find a community go get on like meet up or whatever and find an adults with type one group in your area and I was like I don't think I want to do that but whatever so a few months later I finally broke down and did and I and I met a bunch of folks and they were all, everyone was very nice and some you know were very recently diagnosed and some had it since they were ten or whatever but one guy in this group was like I run with a bunch of type ones on the weekends come along. And I was like, great. And you were a bit a bit of a runner. Still. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had, yeah, I had a little bit of a history, but I was afraid to run because exercise and insulin both drop your blood sugar down. Right. And together they can like be, they can be more than they would be individually. Yeah. Stronger than a sum of their parts or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you can drop down into unsafe levels. And, you know, when you're high, you run into long-term health risks. But when you're low, you could just pass out. Right. You know what I mean? You could go into a coma. Um, I haven't had that happen. But uh, but you could you could go low. And I and I had I went low once and I felt all those feelings and I was like, oh, this is terrifying. And if and if I drop 20 more points, I could be in a coma. Right. So then I, you know, developed a phobia. And uh and so just running with a bunch of other people who also have type one. And there are now monitors that tell you exactly where you are from minute to minute. And they talk to your phone and talk, talks to your watch. Yeah, and tech is tech fu- is incredible. You can, you can be confident in the medical community that tech will continue to advance and uh, yeah. become better and better cure. No rush. Yeah. But in reality, making it manageable, making it manageable money and uh, you know, they can make money off you in perpetuity. If they don't yeah. cure diabetes, right. they can sell you insulin and glucometers for the rest of your life. For the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah. um, Customer for life. But yeah. So the, um, 
the point I was getting to is in that group, there's a guy who's probably early sixties, who's one of these guys who will just like, like run a marathon in long beach and then meet you for an afternoon run. You know what I mean? In Silver uh, Lake. And then you go have brunch or whatever. And it's like just a insane runner. And, you know, like I said, he's 60 and he was diagnosed when maybe when he was like 10. And, you know, in the first 10, 15 years or beyond that, there was like, there wasn't, now you can prick your finger and get a, get a result right away. Right. You have the, the Dexcom thing stuck in you that talks to your phone. There are ways that you can monitor it from minute to minute. When he started doing long races, the test was you had to like piss on a strip and then wait 30 minutes and put it up, you know, wait for it to, ch- and then to check become the color, color of it. Yeah. yeah. Like, like pool chemicals, yeah, like pH you know? balance. Yeah. But like, but it took a while for it to like become the color that it was going to become. So if you were really low, the damage would already be done. Yeah. Oh, so you kind of had to trust your feelings and just always bring some Skittles with you or something. And I think, I think because of that, like he's very chill about it. You know what I mean? Like he's right. not. It's only gotten easier for minute him. to minute. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't even know if he has one of these things stuck in him that talks to his phone. Because why? If you've learned how to trust your body, and you know, you know your body well enough to know that like you're about to be low, so you but you should have a sip of Gatorade. Right. Or something. You feel it. You feel it coming on. You're yeah. like, or you know, like a guy like that might even know. Well, it's it's been five miles. I I know that this is when yes. I, uh, you know every race something. I start to feel like shit at mile seven. So at mile five, let me right. do this. Yeah. Like, yeah. So he does it just by feel, which is, you know, I mean, I have data that I can be nuts about and check every minute. And so I'm nuts about it and I check it every minute. But there is, you don't have to live like that. No. It's which, good that we have these things because they do save lives. But I yeah. might be, you know, yeah, because I it might be testing myself too much. Type one, uh, <laughs> your, right now. your blog could be type one, type A. Um, For real. Because my, my wife is very similar in that, yeah. you know. Like her, her doctor checked her glucometer and was like, you rarely ever run high. And it's like, she's like, no, like she's like militant because she's militant about everything. Yeah. So giving her this task is like, you mm-hmm. know, giving mm-hmm. the A student like finish the workbook, you know? Yeah. And it's crazy because I'm, yeah, God, God help me if I had something like this. Yeah. I'm the least like remember to check this i don't brush my teeth every time i go to bed like that's uh-huh. like, you know, uh-huh. that's something i'm 37 i'm gonna be 37 you should be able to brush you should just yeah guaranteed you're gonna brush your teeth before bed yeah i'm like three nights a week i don't that's okay. disgusting right. well, <laughs> but you know right i know but i should be for health and uh-huh. for safety and for keeping my teeth and all that yeah safety uh but <laughs> i couldn't even imagine having to deal with that and so the idea of going yeah. with the going by feel is like exciting and terrifying yeah. right well but i mean you know it's like you surfing. had no choice <laughs> you had no choice you know when it was diagnosed you had no choice and that and the you know the piss test on her stick was like a, a godsend for them and then to do while running is brutal as well yeah um <laughs> how, so, so i don't know it's um, how was that inspiring for you seeing a guy like that where you're like well, well this motherfucker can do this it shows me i can do it right you know i mean it's literally you know i've i've had people say to me like god you know that must have been so scary when you were diagnosed and i and i always said no because I didn't have like a lifetime movie breakdown in the doctor's office when he told me. I was right. actually sort of relieved to have a solution. To have info, yeah. But also every time I began to go low or feel strange or, you know, um, 
or I had something and I and I didn't take enough insulin for it and I started to rock it up high or whatever. I had I mean my first year really was a series of panic attacks about uh-huh. you know my control and you know like what's going to happen to me now I'm at you know 200 or whatever. So to be around people, especially when you're running which already makes you feel better, who have had those highs and lows and who are literally just alive next to you. Right. You know, just like, even if they don't have some sage advice for you, they just happen to be living, breathing human beings you look who at are someone not dead. Across from you, they they just ran eight miles. They're ten years older than you or yes. similar age. Yeah, and they have what you have, and they're doing. They're living their life. Yeah. Is at least evidence enough that you can live yours. Yeah, just literally, just yeah. by living. Yes, they they it's, show me that I'm going to be okay. Oh, which so, is very exciting. So, so then you imagine if. You can push that energy outward from within yeah. as now. Yeah. Well, so the, this guy who pulled me in was starting at the time uh, a thing called Type 1 Run, which like that was what the group was called, Type 1 Run. And um, we would meet in like Griffith Park. And then he um, started like, got, he got the word out um, just through Instagram and whatever. And so now there are 111 chapters all around the world and people meet on Saturday or Sunday morning, you know, with the, with a bunch of other people. And maybe they don't necessarily run together, but they start together and then they go out for brunch and whatever. Oh, that's really fun. And it's, it's just, it's cool. It's just a nice little, it's nice to have people in your life who understand, you know? Oh, hell yeah. It's, it's a great one positive thing that, uh, the global internet has brought up, brought out was like niche like then you can find your niche now and it's like i'm running i'm I'm a type one runner i wonder if that's a thing and then it, of course it is it is a thing and it's, and it's like, not going to be for millions and millions right but but it's it's going to help the people that need to be helped like by. every show no matter how bad it is or has a website where three yeah. people love it there's fan you know what i mean like every, yeah. i always the analogy i always give is like people can get sexually off with shit which yeah. is like if someone could do that, then uh-huh. there's someone. There's some. Every band is one person's favorite band. Yeah, <laughs> like no matter every how you've never even heard of them. There's someone's. That's someone's favorite band. Uh huh. And so it's like if you get off on like so, I would imagine there's probably some type one runners, but it's so exciting to hear that that yeah. exists and that there's yeah. communities like that. And and just that it's you know I, I'm excited for these guys who to have started something that is so vital yes but it's also really exciting seeing how how it's spreading and knowing that new people are, are joining and yeah. putting on and putting on their type one run shirt and getting and you're out going there. from inspired to inspiring which is kind right. of like a so that was kind of the point of of the the team so the team was 20 type one diabetics they gave us 20 like charity spots in the marathon so we we um this organization called uh beyond type one there are a lot of there are a lot of organizations with similar names. Yeah. Um, so they um, put together a team of 20 people, which I was one of them from literally around the world and uh, all type one. And we all ran it. And it was so fucking cool. Everybody. I mean, you know, some were, you know, there were a couple who were like doing seven minute miles who were serious runner runners. Jesus. There, you know, there were some who were just taking it on because they'd never done anything like it and they wanted to see if they could do it. There were people like me who were somewhere in the middle and, you know, just all of us being there together with the same, the same kind of concerns, you know, and then just being able to see each other at the finish line was incredible. Everybody, all but one finished. The one who didn't was like a college runner 
who took it on a little too aggressively. So I can't feel bad for her because she was like 19. Oh, right. right. She'll, she'll be back. But she was like, she ran in college and was like, yeah, oh, I can, I'll just, and just flamed out. I think, yeah, I think there was some like, she had a calf problem or something like oh, that. Oof. So she'll be back. Right. And, and it wasn't her pancreas that knocked her out of the race. Right, it was, right. You know, yeah. so that was, that was really exciting. Somebody, um, so there was a, a restaurant downtown where like the owner's dad has type one or something. So they, they threw us a brunch the day before, oh, cool. which was super nice. But like there was like French toast on the on the menu, like it was like it was family style. And it was like croissants and French toast with syrup and powdered sugar. And it was like and you're like uh, we sort of try to skip carbs. Yeah, right? yeah, okay. <laughs> but you know, sure, I guess. Yeah. Which I mean, but and people ate it and lived to tell the story and ran a race the next day. And there were Bloody Marys, which is very exciting. <laughs> but yeah, but that whole thing, it was exciting to do it, but it was also exciting to know that we had this shirt that indicated that we were all, you know, runners with type one. And just in the corrals, I had people be like, my son was diagnosed six weeks ago. This is this is really exciting to see that yeah. you can do this. And people, I'm, think, I'm picturing people who are rooting on the marathon yes. going, oh shit, that guy is type one. Like, I, yeah. oh, maybe I can run. Yeah. Right. That was like, I gave uh, a little speech and that was what I said was like, they're... All, every step along along the way, you won't see them, the people who need to see you, but like they'll they're there yeah. and they will, they know who you are. You know, they'll see the shirt and they'll know who you are. And that's so important. Oh, that's like, really... cause like two years ago, I couldn't do it. I was afraid to run. Right. You know, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. I should do like, uh, Clyde's a Clydesdale club for like, you, you, are do you it. over 250 pounds, but want to run long distance? Let's go. Do it. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Cause there are, yeah, there are. I was not the biggest person running the Vega. Oh, I yeah. saw a woman who was very, very thick, a heavy set woman pushing a stroller. Uh-huh. And the, the race has a four hour cutoff at a half at, for the half marathon. Uh-huh. I did three hours and 20 minutes. Yeah. She made it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She took, up to 35 minutes longer than me, and she was pushing a stroller and was uh, mostly walking. And she's yeah. still, and I only beat her by a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Get the hell get out there. Uh, Why the hell not? Fuck, dude. This is so exciting. Well, Dave, thank you so much for oh coming God, on High pleasure. and Mighty, man. Um, this is where we plug our uh, Twitter handles if people are type one or runners and want to uh-huh. shout us out. You know, I'm at Gabris on Twitter and Dave. I am at Dave Holmes on, on Twitter and Instagram. Also, if you if you uh, follow Type One Run on Instagram, start a chapter. Get or go to typeonerun.com or org. However, I'm the chapters sure. work yeah. <laughs> and set it up that way. And then uh, you have some podcasts like myself. You you're, do. You got homophilia at, yep. over at Earwolf. Over right? at Earwolf and International Waters at Maximum Fun. Uh, that's exciting. And then your book, Party of One, Party is of in one. stores now. It is in stores said. now. <laughs> if there are such things as stores in the place where right. you live. Yeah, there's Probably stores Amazon. inside this thing that yeah. I think you can get it on. There you go. Worst comes to worst. That thing Dave, is a computer. this is so exciting. And um, listeners... Expect a selfie come July of Ugh. two guys crossing a uh, 13 mile marker with, with wine a glass teeth. of vino. Yeah. <laughs> with the, when, when you have the dried lips and red wine. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, that's going to be beautiful. We'll black out wait. in 90 minutes. I can't wait. Oh, that was the other thing. I couldn't believe how little I could party on the night of the oh, race. Oh, yeah. yeah. I like, I got so shit faced Monday morning after the race because I was mad that I couldn't get drunk that night. Cause oh. I was like, I was like, I earned this. I should party all night. I'm in Vegas. And I was like so tired and eventually yeah. just went to bed. So then when I woke up Monday morning, I smoked a joint on my balcony and just started drinking tequila at like 11 a.m. Well, it's Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you find, were you surprised by how early you got up the next day? Yes. Me too. I thought I'd be like, oh, I could sleep till one in the afternoon. Yeah. And like I, a college student. Right. 
And I and I can still do that every once in a while if mm-hmm. I need to, if mm-hmm. I'm up late. So I thought for sure, and I stayed up late. Yeah. And I thought I'd be able to sleep. And no, yeah. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. My first uh, triathlon, I had like a little party. For, it was up, it's like four hours north, but I made the drive back and I had a little thing for myself at uh, somewhere on Sunset because I had just moved here and yeah, I was corny. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I had just started dating Ben and he uh, drove me to the after thing um, and then back home. And I was like, Ben, you have to go back to your apartment because I need to sleep on my whole bed tonight. Like <laughs> yeah. I just, I knew that I, I was going to need to, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to sleep until like two in the afternoon. I was up at six thirty the next morning, <laughs> Hi, like bright eyed and bushy tailed. Yeah, Ben, you want to come over? Yeah. Oh, you're still asleep. Okay, uh, yeah. yeah. It's weird what happens. <laughs> uh, awesome, Dave. This has been so fun. I Thanks. just also should let the listeners know that the reason this almost all we know each other via podcast and uh, hanging out before and yeah. the Friday Forty, a wonderful show to do. Oh, thank you. But uh, I ran into you. On the street in uh-huh. the at the start, like two miles into an eight mile run. Yep. And I had just seen you on uh Instagram doing time. I'm like, dude, runner to runner, like stop yeah. to talk to you when you go. And it was a moment when I I never identified as a runner, but when someone goes, How much more you got? What are you supposed to do today? Where are you headed? Uh-huh. I was like, these are runner conversations. Yeah. I was having a real runner conversation. Because that's what we are. <laughs> and look, we just had another one. Mm. We're fucking runners now. That's what we do. <laughs> All right, thanks, bud. Bye, shitheads. That was a HeadGum Podcast.